I was spending some time here and there over the past few weeks thinking about the nature and character of our Carmelite vocation and how we live out that vocation in our daily lives. And it struck me that the call to Carmel is similar to the rich young man in the Gospels in many important respects. I'll condense the story a bit since it's so familiar to us, but you will recall the rich young man asked Jesus what he must do to gain eternal life. Jesus said, keep the commandments. Then, sensing that something was still lacking, the rich young man asked Jesus what else he must do. Jesus looked at him with love and answered, if you wish to be perfect, sell everything you have, then come follow me. As I was considering this, it came to me that our vocation to Carmel is not unlike the rich young man, in that before we came to Carmel, each one of us sensed something was missing. We must have at some level, or else why are we here? And when we entered that first period of formation, we were essentially asking Jesus, is this what I must do to be perfect? Is this where you want me, that I may enter into that deeper relationship with you that I so yearn for? And the promises we made as seculars address this very point. For we promise to tend toward evangelical perfection through the evangelical counsels of obedience, poverty, and chastity, and the Beatitudes. Again, this is not unlike Jesus telling the rich man to sell all that he has. For we promise to give all that we have, all that we call ours, all that we are, to love God and neighbor in a deeper way, to more perfectly live out our holy Catholic faith in the world. We promise for the rest of our lives to move toward what we sense is missing, if you will, toward that perfect union in and through our Lord, whom we have promised to seek above all. And while as Carmelites we have said yes, rather than turning away and going away, going away sad like the rich young man, are there any of us who have said yes perfectly, said yes like Our Lady? Can any one of us say we have truly given all that we can rightly call ours? Have we given the whole of our intellect, will, time, talent, and treasure completely to Jesus to do with as he pleases? Can anyone truly say they've lived out the Beatitudes perfectly? My point is not that we still have a long way to go on the road to perfection. That goes without saying. My point is, even though we have not said no to our Lord outright, like the rich young man, in this too we find a similarity. For when we sin or fail to live out our promises as we should, we are in effect turning away from our Lord 
and going away with respect to that one sin or that one thing we refuse to part with, whatever it may be. Perhaps we're more like the rich young man than we might care to admit. But did you also notice this in the story? It was the rich young man who turned away, not our Lord. Even when we fail, Jesus still looks on us with love and never ceases to invite us to again become perfect, to sell what we have and follow him. Now I'd like to take a moment and just look a bit deeper at the evangelical councils. You may have noticed that when I mentioned them previously, it was in an unusual order, namely obedience, poverty, and chastity. I did that for two reasons. First, because that order corresponds to how we typically list the corresponding theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. And the evangelical councils are indeed intended to lead us into an ever deeper exercise of those same theological virtues. Did you ever notice that? The following is right out of our constitutions, paragraphs 13 through 15. Under obedience, it says, the promise of obedience is a pledge to live open to the will of God in whom we live and move and have our being, imitating Christ who accepted the Father's will. The promise of obedience is an exercise of faith, leading to the search for God's will in the events and challenges in society and our own personal life. Obedience, then, is an act of faith. About poverty, we read, by the promise of poverty, the secular Carmelite expresses the desire to live in accordance with the gospel and its values. The promise of poverty seeks an evangelical use of the goods of this world and of personal talents, as well as the exercise of personal responsibilities in society, in family, and in work, confidently placing all in the hands of God. When we confidently place all in the hands of God, is this not an act of hope? In our promise of poverty, we set our sights on the eternal, confident that God will give us the grace to embrace the spiritual and quite possibly material poverty with confidence, knowing that our true riches lie in the kingdom of God. The final evangelical counsel is chastity. Our Constitution tells us that the promise of chastity reinforces the commitment to love God above all else and to love others with the love God has for them. In this promise, the secular Carmelite seeks the freedom to love God and neighbor unselfishly. Chastity then frees us to love. The second reason I listed the evangelical councils in this atypical order is because I noticed that that order corresponds to the steps we must take 
in order to enter into the final part of our journey to perfection, that being the Beatitudes. Those steps in that order is just what the rich young man refused to do. Our Lord told the young man that if he wished to be perfect, to sell all he had. The young man wouldn't take the first step of obeying our Lord. Our Lord calls us to evangelical poverty, a poverty of spirit for the sake of the kingdom. But we must not just, he must, but we must not just ask what we must do. In evangelical obedience, we must do what our Lord tells us. And evangelical poverty takes our eyes off material things of this world, off ourselves, and enables us to focus on God and our neighbor, on what truly matters for eternity. And by focusing more and more on God and neighbor, we thereby exercise the virtue, the virtue of chastity, of purity, and therefore love. Kierkegaard said that purity of heart is to will one thing. What pure act of chaste love can we imagine than to love God and those he loves as he loves us? But how do we fulfill our promises? How do we evangelize? How do we live our lives in a way worthy of our call? Through the practice of the Beatitudes. The Constitution calls the Beatitudes our plan of action for life and a way to enter into relationship with the world, neighbors and co-workers, families and friends. By promising to live the Beatitudes in daily life, secular Carmelites give evangelical witness as members of the church and the order. And by this witness, we invite the world to follow Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. The promises we made as Carmelites are beautifully and skillfully integrated into the faith, for that is the font from which they flow. They enable us to live out our charism of prayer and live in active contemplation in the world. So let us not forget to stop every so often and thank the Lord and Our Lady for the gift of our vocation to Carmel. Let us not forget to pray to our Holy Father and Holy Mother in Carmel for their intercession as well. Our vocation truly is a gift worth all that we have. It is our way of perfection.